She brings wealth and health to her audience by tackling hot topics around substance use disorder, mental health and wellness. Her mission, vision, and goal are to help you heal from your past trauma, inspire you to transform your body, mind, and soul so you can live your best life. Your board-certified psychiatric mental health doctor, nurse practitioner, trauma care maestro, and media analyst, your life ambassador, best-selling author, TEDx talk speaker, CEO of Pool of Bethesda Psychiatric Health in Arizona. Let's all welcome Dr. Princess Fumi Hancock. Welcome to Sunstein Sessions on iHeartRadio. Conversations about issues that matter. Here's your host, winner of two Gracie Awards, Shelly Sunstein. Good morning and Happy New Year to Dr. Stephanie Fumi Hancock. She's the CEO of Pool of Bethesda Psychiatric Health and the author of 24 self-help books. The reason that I wanted Dr. Hancock to join us today is that right before the holidays, we had the very shocking suicide of DJ Twitch, uh, who we mostly knew through the Ellen DeGeneres show. And uh, the reason it was more shocking than, than most was that we could see no reason for this whatsoever. I mean, this was a man who just brought joy as soon as the camera trained on him. He seemed like the happiest person in the room. And then this happened. And, and I'm adding as an aside, right after that, that shocking news, I think that broke as I was on my way to L.A. to Encino to see my kids. And they actually, his daughter went to school with my youngest grandson. I mean, like the whole community was absolutely in shock. It was one of these, nobody saw it coming. How, how can that be? How, you know, ordinarily, Dr. Hancock, don't we see warning signs maybe not us the public but people who know him first of all thank you so much for having me on your show um when i got the interview actually that was the first one that came to my mind and uh, a lot of people are having questions as to wait a minute we see him smile and all this often um even those who are surrounding those who are about to do that are in denial a lot of times um, hindsight, you know, 2020, you go back and say, wait a minute, he said something, he gave something away. He talked about the daughter. He said a little bit of, oh, what would you do if I wasn't around? But um, with him, of course, to the outside, whoa, what happened? This was a shock. But often there's always one little nugget, one or two things that would have probably um, maybe those who are very close to him would have kind of guessed a little bit, but not to that extent, though. But they would have known that something was happening to him or something made him sad, Some just something. But there's usually something. And I think uh, you having this on your show would help families, those that are going through or might actually see a little clue that they're not even sure of your show. Similar shows will actually help them to start looking at the warning signs because there are warning signs. It's just that often as family, we're so close to them. Um, we want the best for them. We want to see the best in them and everything like that. And we often just miss it. 
So what are those warning signs? Um, a lot of times you would, uh, let, let's start with this. Um, men who are over 75 years old, right, a lot of them often go through depression, particularly during the winter uh, season, even women too. Uh, when you talk about late September all the way to January, you have people that deal with uh, a seasonal affective disorder. Uh, they don't necessarily are depressed throughout the year, but there are certain times in their year, in the year, that they just feel that little, oh, blah. And so a lot of times it's when you see them feeling trapped, they would often tell you, you know, I have this pain, but they cannot tell you exactly what the, where the pain is coming from. When you ask them what is, what is painful, I, I, I'm just in pain. I don't know what, what it is. Some of them will often feel trapped, and they will tell you that they feel trapped about something. They feel triggered by some things. There might be things that have happened in their lives in the past that they sat on, that you know they have post-traumatic stress syndrome that they never really did deal with. And so there's a trigger during this period that would just, you know, uh, kind of fling that light. But because they do not understand it, they would not know what that is. So they talk about being a burden. Some of them will often say, you know, I don't want to be a burden. Or if they have a financial issue, I don't want to be a burden. So I'm just going to deal with it on my own. Or if they have a certain illness, oh, I don't want to be a burden. I'll deal with it. Some of them would actually, not all. But some of them will start dabbling in a little bit of alcohol here. Oh, what's wrong? It's just a glass of wine after dinner. Ah, what's the big deal? So some of them will do that. Many of them will feel anxious, agitated, even some to the point of recklessness, but not most of them. But that agitation, not being able to sleep, sleeping too much, sleeping little, withdrawing from people, feeling isolated. Those are the kind of telltale signs that families need to start paying more attention to. But if you see something and you bring it up to them and they're in denial and saying, I don't want to be a burden, I can handle it myself, or they don't want to get help, what are you supposed to do? I mean, this is an adult. It's different when you're talking about a child who's under 18, but when you're talking about a spouse or a sibling, or a loved one close to you, what I, are you supposed to do? I'll tell you what, that's a tough one. Let me, let me use myself as an example. Um, a little over 25 years ago, I actually attempted. When I was in, uh, I was living in New York, um, I'd lost my businesses, I'd lost my home, I'd lost my husband, I mean, literally lost everything. And I was one of the number one uh, people, uh, uh, persons that people looked up to in, on Staten Island at that time to hire people. There was just no way out for me. And I literally took my car to Verrazano Bridge and tried to plunge. But the big why for me that stopped it, literally stopped it, were my children. My children were like one, you know, one, I think one and three years old then. And that was what stopped me. Sadly, when you have uh, adults, it's almost impossible for you to, um, because they're only going to show you what they want to show you. I didn't show, I suddenly didn't show my family. Well, you know, it was 25 years later when I started telling them, you know, spilling my guts about all the things I tried to do to myself in New York. 
So when you have adults like that, all you can do is just be there for them. Open the line of communication, making sure that you're always there. But that's about all that you can really do. Suggesting and recommending, oh, you know, even if you can't talk to me, perhaps there's somebody out there. Do you have a friend that you can talk to? It doesn't have to be me. You can, you can talk to a friend or you can go to a counselor or you can. That's about all that you can literally do when you have adults, like you said. They're adults. What are you going to do? You know, they're adults. Dr. Hancock, uh, first of all, thank you for being so open about your own issues. That was 25 years ago. Is that what led you to go into this field? What were you doing Uh, at the time? Absolutely. I Uh. was a a social worker, and I found myself in a cyclical uh, system. I used to work for the state there, and I would remove children, put them back, and those kind of jobs cannot take a toll on you as a social worker and it really did take a toll on me it took a toll on my marriage it took a toll on everything that i was doing then when i owned my business too i was trying to still you know be there for everybody as women a lot of times we tend to be there for everybody but us we need to start being our own cheerleader and i literally forgot myself in the middle of all of this that when I lost everything, um, the ground shifted and I felt empty. And with me, I also come from Africa where you, uh, it's an osh osh thing, right? I come from a silent culture where see no evil, hear no evil. If you heard it, that's not it. If you saw it, just keep moving. So I come from that silent culture that did not give me the permission to actually say, yeah, you're a social worker, but you still can't tell your business, you know. So I bottled a lot in. And when I found myself on the throes of about to, you know, I lost my home, about to be homeless, essentially, I thought, okay, I'm just going to give it up. And I drove myself to Verrazano Bridge. And I'm telling you right now, I was at the edge of it. My car was literally at the edge of Verrazano Bridge. And all I needed to do was take my feet off of that lit. Just that's about it. But the only thing that saved me were I just saw flashes of my children, which were younger. I saw them crying. And I said, oh, my God, somebody else is going to take care of my children. And I pulled back. Now, not everybody would see that kind of, you know, flashback. Not everybody would even stop in spite of that. Of that. So conversations like this does help people like me who come from silent cultures, that when they hear your show, they might not be able to tell somebody, but there might be something, a story here today that would help them to say, you know what? I could go to the next community. It doesn't have to be within my community, but I can go to the next community to seek help. So what did you do? What did you do right after? Well, what I did was seek help. I literally, I, I, I literally moved from New, uh, New York and moved to New Jersey and found help there because I felt like I could not get help in New York where everybody knew me. And so a lot of times people don't even think about that. They just think about, oh, my God, what are they, if anybody hears this. So when I heard about Twitch and I heard that he went to a motel, that was quite interesting to me. When I heard that, like, hmm, you know. He went out outside of his home and went to a place that was a little bit low, you know, 
that would people would not necessarily recognize him. A lot of times we don't think that we have options. And so for me, the option was I'm just going to go seek help in the next community where I know that my secret is safe, where I know that I would not be judged because they don't even know me, frankly. And perhaps they don't even care. They just want to take care of me. So if anybody is hearing us today and they are in the middle of a place where they feel like, oh, my God, I have created such a massive life for myself or not. I'm not sure if people will not tell my story. There are options. You could go to the next neighborhood. You could go to the next community and seek help. That's the bottom line. As an adult, you have to seek help. I wanted to ask you about something else that I just saw today, and it was so hopeful. There was a study that was just done at the University of Texas, San Antonio. They had veterans with PTSD who usually undergo weekly therapy sessions. But what they did instead was put them into a very intense three-week program, not weekly for months. Very intense three-week program. I have no idea what that program was or how intense it was, if they were away from their families or what. But more than half of them lost the diagnosis of PTSD after. Have you heard of this? Oh, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. There is something called intensive outpatient, right, program, IOP. And a lot of times, even with the teenagers that I take care of right now, um, many, many times when I put them in IOP, they tend to do better because, number one, it's intensive. Number two, they are meeting with others who have similar issues. So that that way, it's just like the example I gave now. I gave my own example. And I know that there's somebody who's going to listen to your, uh, uh, your show, and they're going to be like, oh, my God, I resonate with that. So the program, because it's intensive, it doesn't necessarily, they don't have to leave their home for some of these programs, but they do present to that, uh, to that program every day for a lot of hours. And it's not just about talking about anxiety or talking about depression, but they're looking at their life as a whole, holistically, looking at the medical, the role medication plays into that, the role that um, uh, what they've been exposed to. For example, those that you're talking about, I have a, I have a, a handful of uh, veterans that I take care of. Almost 99% of them come to me with PTSD. But one thing I know is that they come outside of the veteran uh, uh, community because with that, they don't want to, you know, too many people know too much of their business. So when they come to a community person partner like myself, they come and they know that they're going to get the help that they need. More importantly, from partners, from peers like themselves. So it's successful that way. Unfortunately, Dr. Hancock, we're out of time. So Dr. Stephanie Fumi Hancock, how would people reach out to you to get more information? Oh, you can just go online and just put Dr. Stephanie Fumi Hancock, H-A-N-C-O-C-K, Stephanie. Excellent. You really were so helpful today. If Thank you for listening to Tear the Veil with Dr. Fumi. 
We hope you have enjoyed being a part of today's show and that we have helped you in shining. For further information, you can visit us at drfumipsychdnp.com and pobpsychiatry.com.